0: Hi, this is Greg Bresnitz, one half the host of Snacky Tunes. We have had the honor of being nominated by Taste Awards for Best Radio Show and Best Podcast. Please head to bit.do backslash stvote in order to vote for Snacky Tunes and other food favorites. Once again, that's bit.do backslash stvote. And a big congratulations to Heritage Radio Network for being nominated into the Hall of Fame.
1: Thanks so much. We really appreciate it. Today's program was brought to you by Roth, Wisconsin, makers of the world's best cheese and pioneers in the U.S. artisan cheese movement. For more information, visit RothCheese.com. Hey, everyone. This is David Tattashore, lead engineer and studio manager of the Heritage Radio Network, and I'm reaching out to ask for your support during our end-of-year fun drive. A contribution in any amount supports our weekly programming and our mission to make the world a more equitable, sustainable, and delicious place. Plus, you'll receive exclusive member benefits like monthly playlists, discounted event tickets, party invitations, and more. So if you like good food and you love good food radio, throw a little dough our way. Make your gift at heritageradionetwork.org donate. Happy holidays from all of us here at Heritage Radio Network.
2: We talk about food, we talk about music with musical dudes. Finger on the pulse, snacky tunes.
3: You niggas got me fucked up. Fucked up, fucked up, fucked up. Fucked up. <laughs> you niggas got it fucked up. Fucked up, fucked up. <laughs> you yeah. niggas got it fucked up. Fucked up. Fucked up. <laughs> Flop, eyes on red, it don't matter, though. Kitty catapult, put a canopy. Had the fence, but never got a hoe. Ain't a green took eating in your own choke. Driving the whips that you to know. Lately I've been feeling like I'm on the road. And the weedies that be with me, they ain't on your bow. Put some pot that I got in and on your stove. And then they in your kitchen. My state of the keepin' and I'm making a killing. Killin'. Do I making a living? Living turn keys in my city, so it's thanks that I'm giving. Don't me guess I'm driven. Like a pass in the class to task some decision. Bunch of niggas with me like a civil rights today. I'm great with advice, but just mad with decisions. Get it done, get it done, get it done, get it done, got it make myself my own plate. There ain't a task I had that I ain't never complete, and I'm doing pretty good. So who am I to complain? That's why I'm saying get it done, get it done, get it done, get it done. Gotta make myself my own plate. There ain't a task I had that I ain't never complete, and I'm doing pretty good. So who am I to complain? That's why I'm saying get it done, 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 get it done get it done. get it down 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 get it get it get it down 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 get it get 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 get
2: get 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 Flat,
3: flat, 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 Get it get Get flat, get it done flat, flat, get it done, get it done. flat, 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 get it it done. Gimme some ballin' out like E S beyond. Tim's tan like they was in the sun. when my woes will never run. No, you can tell I'm gone. Remember when I had it tell us phone. Text message say my minutes done. Tell them all they can't tell us none, no more. Now my plans are unlimited, trying to get my plans unlimited. I gotta peel off a limit. So y'all know what my limit is. All I need is some dividends, folks. So my mind like a militant. I know the plug for the middleman. Got bad things, and they know I ain't a middleman. They know I get it done, and I get it in. Get get it done, 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 get
2: it done, get it done, get it done.
0: Hello and welcome to Snacky Tunes. I am one half your host, Aaron Bresnitz. We are sitting in, we could say Santa Monica, right? Santa, Santa Monica, uh, West LA, West LA, uh, at dusk. With Chef Bruce Calman, uh, welcome to Snacky Tunes. How's it going, man? It's going well. So you are a fellow East Coaster.
4: I am, yeah, Jersey, Jersey through and through. Are, are you a Devils fan? You know what? I was around. No, I'm a Rangers fan. I, okay. I, I was around when the Devils was being created, and I I still remember. There's an article in the the um what was it called the Bergen the Bergen Record oh yeah newspaper about naming the team. So people had to, like, send in submissions and everything. But I was already my dad. My dad's from the Bronx. Yeah. Originally. So we would go into the city and go to Ranger games.
0: Yeah. I think um, I'll forgive that.
4: As After, <laughs> after that, uh,
0: my my wife, who I love more than anything, is from Philadelphia like myself and is a reverse Devils fan, who I think is the only one <laughs> in existence. But that's fine. That's right, fine. Right, We're not right. here to talk about... Uh, Hockey, but we're here to talk about uh, your long and uh, well-traveled career as a chef. Um, You started uh, at the same place where I started my food journey, which was at a pizza place on the East Coast. Yep. Um, Which I feel that, like, if you worked in food or food-adjacent anything... And you live in the East Coast, and at least the Northeast, and you didn't spend any time in a pizza parlor. Like proper pizza. You, yeah, yeah. you sort of messed up. So, what was yeah. what, what was your, your early experiences like there? How'd you get started there?
4: So, I it was when I was 13, back when you could work, you can get like a oh yeah, you can get a work permit from the county, mm-hmm. um, to make crap wages and you know, <coughs> but you can only work a certain amount of hours, I think. And uh, my dad's friend was opening up a pizzeria. And my dad said, like, get your ass to work, basically. And so I went. My brother and sister did, too. Um, And I started working in the kitchen there. And I had no previous experience, you know. I mean, cooking with my grandmother... Sure. That's about it. Uh, and what home. type of
0: food did she make?
4: Well, I grew up Jewish, and sure. so, like, chopped liver and uh, matzo ball soup mm. and pot roast and chicken fricassee and that n- matzo brai. That, like, Jersey, Philly,
0: yeah. New York. Noodle kugel. Jewish cuisine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I
4: grew We, we <coughs> grew up on similar cuisine. Yeah. And so... Um, I started working in the kitchen, and then got a couple of my friends hired, and you know, so it, it ended up being a lot of fun. And I love the camaraderie in sure. the kitchen, and I love the energy and the vibe, and like going to work. And I still remember listening to like Howard Stern in the morning. Oh yeah, back when you know, I still remember the first time he said the word "dick" on the radio. It was hysterical.
0: You're like, guys, did you hear Stern today? Did you hear what he
4: just said? Did you hear what he said? So you know, I mean, we got into a lot of trouble. You know, I was a kid, and we would we would have like. You know, oil bottle fights in the kitchen sure. and stuff like that, because that's what you do.
0: And what station would you work? What did you...
4: Um, so, there was uh, there was the back kitchen, which was like all the sandwiches, salads, um, all the prep, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then the front was the pizza, pizza area. And so, I was in the back for one year. Um, and then, you know, you just learn... It, it's not really stations. You just learn sure. everything there. Um, and then you learn how to make the dough, and learn how to do all that. And then the next step for me was I was 14, and I was making pizza, which was pretty That's cool. That's awesome. And so I was ambitious at a young age already. Yeah. With it. And is it still around the place? And they just sold it. I mean, it was around for. Do I you mean, want to shout it out? This is Savino's Pizza. Oh, okay. Yeah, they um, they just sold it, and it opened. So when I was 13, so it was 32 years. It was open. Wow. Okay. Crazy, and they crushed it. I mean, this little place. There's just like a counter to stand at and eat, and the, everything else is delivery and pickup. Jersey pizzerias, and they crushed it.
0: Is there anything that you learned then that you, either tips or tricks or a mentality <laughs> that you still carry with you today as a chef?
4: Most definitely. Uh, I mean, you know, definitely the pranks. <laughs> oh sure, sure. But um, we, you know, the the funny thing is, is that my new. Uh, restaurant in downtown LA mm-hmm. the uh, kneading company a lot of that it pays homage to that it, mm. you know I've got big ziti I've got spaghetti with meatballs and Sunday gravy you know the only difference is, is I'm using freshly milled flour made with local grain and, sure. and great you know tomatoes and as opposed to the, you know, they, I mean, they use pretty crappy ingredients. Uh, again, Jer- New Jersey, <laughs> Jersey P- pizza. Pizza place. Yeah. The crappier the ingredients, the better. I don't know a lot of those, like, slice joints that
0: are just like, we use the freshest local ingredients <laughs> and we can still sell it for two bucks a slice. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so you were in Jersey and by the time you're 14, are you sort of just like, this is what I'm
4: doing, I'm a chef for life? Not necessarily. I, I mean, I enjoyed it. It was fun. I'm a musician, too, and I started playing guitar when I was seven. Sure. And even at that time, like when I was 13, Fourteen, we had a little band. Sure. Made a couple friends. And you want then, to shout out the band? I don't even remember the name of the band, but um, and then I had another band after that called Phoenix. Yeah. And um, we uh, we did good. I mean, we you know I was trying to pursue that avenue because I really enjoyed it, and we we did like record showcases and awesome. We opened up for Meatloaf, which is like our big that's huge our big claim to fame. Um, did you figure out what he wouldn't do for love? No, no. I tried. I tried <laughs> to find out, but he wouldn't tell me. And, um, my dad was a musician, and he had a band when he was younger, and even got, like, a record deal, and then got screwed over, so he was very, uh, hesitant about it, and he was always like, make sure you have a backup plan, you know, because... Nine times out of ten, the music's not going to work out for you.
0: Right, and so so go into the surefire business of owning, or working in restaurants. Yeah, right, exactly. that guaranteed
4: success. Yeah, and I mean, you can always the great thing about working in restaurants is you can always find a job sure. pretty easily if you had to wherever you go. Now, you know? f-
0: yeah, and from New Jersey, you went. You so the thing I like about your career is that you sort of hit all the major regions in mm-hmm. America. And so from Jersey, you went to Midwest. You went to Chicago. I went to Chicago, which. Hands down, one of the best cities <clears> to <throat> eat in the world.
4: Absolutely. Uh, what
0: year was this? Chicago was, like, 91. Now, how... It, w- it wasn't doing any of, like, the modern type of cuisine, or was it still, like, meat and potatoes, but fine dining?
4: No, yeah. I mean, it was meat, definitely meat and potatoes. When I first moved there, um, I was working... So, in Jersey, I, I worked at a couple other places, and then I worked for Marriott Hotels mm-hmm. uh, for a couple years. And there, I met a guy... And, and he was like a catering manager uh, that I became friends with, and then he moved out to Chicago uh, to became it became like the catering director of the O'Hare Marriott. Yeah, and um, I got into a point. I worked at like a little French bistro, and it just burned me out so poor, so badly. Why was that? I, it was rough. It was just it was a small restaurant. It was me and two two French guys, and the main owner and his wife lived upstairs, and she mm. worked the front, and they would fight. All the time, it was, they were just miserable people, and so just after a year, it just wore me out. In a place like that, like I learned so much, but you can only take so much, you know. Where it's just like you and two other guys, sure. doing everything. What did you learn from there that you still take away and work with today? You know, I think I think it's everywhere I go. It's like bits and pieces. Sure, it's, it's like you learn work ha- good work habits, good work ethic. Sure, you know, you you learn, you, you take like little bits and pieces of everywhere you go. To kind of sum up what you do Mm -hmm. now, and and so it's hard for me to pinpoint like specific things that I learned at each job. um, In at that point, anyway, Um, but I definitely learned like that was probably the first place where we really made like everything in house that I worked at. Um, and that's where you start
0: to see the difference of making everything in house. Yeah, versus bringing stuff in from you know and and, like pre. And so is this where you start to build? You're like, if I start to like start doing something on my own like I'm gonna start making everything from scratch yeah
4: exactly we had an herb garden outside we'd run outside and cut herbs that's in the front of the restaurant and you know it was just a really cool experience but again I mean at that point I was just like I need to get out of the kitchen and so I spent a year working as a server Mm. just kind of messing around no and this was still in Jersey okay uh, with a friend of mine and then um, after a year I got bored and So I had called my friend that moved to Chicago, and I said, hey, do you have a job? Sure. So I was the assistant banquet chef at the Marriott at O'Hare, which was crazy. It was like $12 million a year in catering. and 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 did that teach you how to do big numbers? Big numbers. It taught me about accountability. It taught me about, um, you know, when I worked in a hotel like that, I would work everywhere. I'd work in every restaurant. I would want to, even on my own time, you know, the labor laws were very different back then. (laughs) Um, And so I would... You know if I was off I would go work in the Polynesian restaurant with the Chinese guys right and learn how to cook in a walk you know and I, or I would go get up early in the morning and go work with the baker and because I wanted to learn as much, I wanted to extrapolate everything I could out of every job I had. And I figure I'm in a hotel with five restaurants, banquets, and all these other departments. I should take advantage of that. Yeah. And then from Chicago, Santa Fe, right? Or yeah, Chicago. Santa. No, no. So Chicago. After Marriott, I I was a sous chef at Spiaggia. Oh. Okay. Four star yeah? Italian restaurant. And Paul Bartolotta was the chef at the time. How and was that? It was incredible. It was my first my first introduction to like true like tuscan cuisine and um so very, a little bit more strict. step of italian than yeah, the pizza place I was like, this different... isn't italian food you're like you know? uh, you're like <laughs> where's wait. the chicken parm yeah <laughs> <laughs> and um so i worked there and actually michael white from new York from sure. alma group was an extern and huh. i was working there as a Sioux and um showed you how old i am yeah. and and so uh, i was working there and that was Levy Restaurants, and I did some other... They did stadiums, and so I helped them open stadiums. And then I went... They moved me to another restaurant to help, because it, it they were... They needed some help in areas that I excelled. And and then at that point, I met David Burke, who mm-hmm. was just opening a restaurant in Chicago. And um, he offered me a position in New York at Park Avenue Cafe. So I couldn't say no. No. So I went and I worked with him in New York for like a year. Um, and... That place, just like changed everything. It, it changed everything, and it burned you out at the same time. Yeah, it was it was rough. It was like shift pay, and you come in and there's like way to way more to do than you have time to do it. Sure. And so, but the the big thing that I learned there was to to push the envelope mm. and to not let. Um, you know, David would never say, "Oh no, we can't do this because people can't handle it, or because it's too hard." Or, it, yeah, he would say, "Work harder, figure it out. Sure. We're doing this." And so that's something that I still do yeah. with my staff. You know, I'm a bit more understanding. You know, but, right. But at the same time, I push the envelope. You know, I'll come back from the farmers market two hours before service and say, hey, I got this. We're making a dish. Let's go. Let's go. You know,
0: and And they go, yes, chef.
4: Yeah, they didn't used to. They 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 would would, they would say that to my face. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, and to me, what what that did was, you know, that made me better. Like it taught me how to not only work with a huge sense of urgency, Mm -hmm. but to put out incredible food at the same time and and focus on quality because there, like you put it in the window. If it's not perfect, you're making it again. Yeah. And Pl- plates thrown. Not at me. Not at you. <laughs> Never at me. Not at and either. I think because I was a sous chef before I yeah. went there and a manager that that helped me succeed there because, you know, I, I knew how to work with management.
0: Sure. I mean, that's a big part of some of the young guns coming up where it's just like it, there's a reason success is built in for the older guys because it's, it's a full picture. Yeah. It's, it's not just, uh, you know, you like, say, oh, you did two years on the line and now you know how to, like, Or work. you bought
4: a pair of, like, global globe tweezers or something.
0: Sure. You know? um, all right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. Cool. We're going to come back and talk about your arrival in LA, Pickles, and your rock band uh, with Duff Goldman. Uh, we have a song from Taka Taka uh, here live on Snacky Tunes. <laughs> Welcome back to Snacky Tunes here on Heritage Radio Network. We are with Chef Bruce Coleman, Troubadour? We could say Troubadour. Troubadour yeah. of kitchens? Yeah, I would say so. Um, so, uh, 2011, you finally make your way across, all the way across the country.
4: Yeah, by way of, like, Santa Fe, Scottsdale, Phoenix, Cleveland.
0: How was how was cooking in the Southwest?
4: Southwest was cool. Yeah? You know, working in... Um, Santa Fe was interesting. Yeah, It was really it was a culture shock for me going f- directly from working in Manhattan to Santa Fe. <laughs> was it just I don't want to say a lower bar but just like a relaxed more relaxed It was kind of like people don't drive through a green light, you know, they just kind of sit there and they decide to go when they want to go. Sure. Everybody it's it's the land of mañana. That's what they call sure. it. Oh.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, chef, tomorrow though.
4: Yeah. Tomorrow, yeah. Chef. exactly. Yes. It was like I'd have cooks calling in uh, stoned. Right. Because they were they were snowboarding all day and got really high and, and didn't feel like, you know, weren't up to coming to work.
0: Right. And I was right.
4: that guy that was like, get your ass to work. Yeah. Or you don't have a job. Right, right, right. <laughs> and that didn't fare too well in Santa Fe. No.
0: But so then you make it out to Santa Monica.
4: <laughs> yep. And
0: the first thing you did was uh, make pickles?
4: No, no. So I, I came out here. I was working with a group in Scottsdale. Sure. Phoenix. And... They opened a restaurant in Santa Monica and brought me out here, which gotcha. is how I got out here. What was
0: the name of the restaurant? Uh, the Misfit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah.
4: Misfit. And so, um, and that was really, I mean, I you know, I had experience, like, working with local farms a little sure. bit. And going to farmer's markets. But this was, like, the farmer's market was a block away. Yeah, this, big, it's a
0: whole different
4: game out here. I would here. roll carts down the alley, basically. Yeah. And it was just, like paradise I mean for me I was just so it was overwhelming almost Mm -hmm. you know and but I I, you know I think at that point in my career was like a tipping point for me sure where I just I couldn't work for I didn't want to work for other people anymore
0: well yeah I mean you sort of put in the years and through all your experience you have this culmination of a very unique perspective and Mm -hmm. you start going like no I don't I, I don't agree with 20% 20% of what you... 80%, yeah, but 80, that other 20%, yeah. I don't, and that 20% is killing me. Yeah,
4: and I learned a lot. It was yeah. great, you know, but, you know, I, I had to go out on my own. And, sure. Um, so, I did some consulting in the meantime, trying to figure out things, and um, and then I started my pickle company, and that uh, took off, like, gangbusters, I think, because I already had a little, a little bit of street cred in, sure. in L.A. as a chef, and so... And then, plus, I just promoted the hell out of it, and... Um, how did that get started? Um, I just, I was at a restaurant and I had a pickle program going on there, a pretty intense one. And my sous chef at the time was like, Hey, you know, you should have your own pickle company. These are awesome. Yeah. And so I started my own pickle business.
0: That's awesome. (laughs) Awesome.
4: Um, and so I, I just, I got in business with some, some people that were doing some not so good things. Sure. And so, um, things didn't work out. I backed out. Uh, and then, right at that time, I uh, got a call about the about doing union
0: yeah, so you open up a restaurant in Pasadena, which is not you know it's a great great part of l a but not what one thinks of when they think of great food great food mm-hmm. so what drew you to Pasadena, and this was uh union correct Union yep yeah,
4: um so I actually got a call to consult on a restaurant project okay. Um, And I went and I'm like, I don't know about Pasadena. Geez, that's far. It feels far, you know. And i had been there before. It's beautiful. But, um, so I went and checked it out, fell in love with the space, um, and basically made a deal, you know, and said, I want ownership. I don't want you to tell me what to do. We're going to do my concept. Sure. And they said, okay. And now we have union. (laughs) That's awesome. I mean, it's pretty much, that's the way it went. and. So, Pasadena. I always tell people when they say, "Why did you choose Pasadena?" I say, "It chose me."
0: Sure. You know. Sure. And so, for people who haven't been to to Union, what's the concept, and, and what did you pull from past experiences to open up your first restaurant?
4: So, so Union um, definitely embodies um, uh, our you know, sustainability and working with local ingredients and handcrafted food. I mean, we make everything, just about everything in house. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't bake our own bread, but we have somebody bake a recipe for us Sure. because we don't have the facility. And it, so it's intimate. It was, it's kind of like a neighborhood spot, 50, 55 seats. Yeah. And we pack it every single night. That's awesome. And still, I mean, we're going on, March will be three years and we're still cranking and we're actually getting busier.
0: I mean, that's awesome. To, but you know, that's that's the success that you need these days. It's not a flash in the pan. It's, you got to be good food and have that sort yeah. of, it, I, I know how this might sound, but like you want to open up a really incredible neighborhood spot those are the people who are going to come back it's a it's a stain
4: that are there for a long time yeah and, and so you um, you know we opened it and, and it just it took off and, and it hasn't stopped you know but um, we uh, the, the idea was to serve just solid great food you know and the, the cool thing is, is it was kind of unassuming we don't have a sign sure because we couldn't afford one Love that. <laughs> um, and now we don't, we didn't need one now, so we didn't get one. No. But it's, it's, you know, a little spot. It's not, like, really flashy or anything, and you walk in, and we just punch you in the face with great food and great, amazing hospitality, incredible wine. We have amazing sommelier, George Pizzeranis. Mm. from, uh who's at Spago for a long time and he makes his own that, wine. That and, little spot. Yeah, a little restaurant. Um,
0: and so and so, what's the signature dish over at Union? What could people expect?
4: Uh, our porchetta, yeah. for sure. And then we, uh, like, two of our pastas, um, our spaghetti alla cittara with San Marzano tomato, garlic chili, mm. basil, uh, simple, you know, it's like a spaghetti, spicy tomato sauce, but we hand make the cittara pasta. Um, and then we have a squid ink bambolotti with Made lobster, braised fennel, truffle butter, and Meyer lemon. And so those are two dishes that there. are just like... Just awesome. Yeah, and, and it, it, people, it, it, those are dishes I could never change. And then we have um, the, probably the best polenta mm. I've ever had because it's milled at uh, Griston Toll, which is a mile from Union. Oh, yeah. She mills all our flour. She mills yeah. our polenta. I get freshly milled polenta every week, and it goes right from her mill to my freezer. Man. And it- you just, it, it, you can't compare it. To anything.
0: No, and again, I think it goes back to when you talk about when you started seeing stuff that was made from scratch and mm-hmm. having the herb garden. You go like, once you go to that that I don't want to say extreme, but that level of freshness and quality, you can't go back.
4: Yeah, and and the thing that I found where I think a lot of people get it wrong is they're so focused on technique and flash and all these cool cool things. But they don't focus on finding the best possible ingredient all the time. And even because something's in season doesn't mean it's the best. Hmm. You know, where if you go to the market, you have to taste things. Because sometimes, you know, last year we had a shitty tomato season, so I didn't run tomatoes. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to do it just because somebody says I have to have a caprese salad. Right, right, right. I don't give a crap what people tell me about that, you know. Yeah. I don't don't need to have a chicken. I don't need to have a steak. I, I need to have great food. Yeah. In my opinion.
0: I agree. And so, from Pasadena, you go downtown to Grand Central Market mm-hmm. uh, to open up Need. Um, how did that come about, and uh, how does it feel to be part of one of the most well-known food communities in LA?
4: So they they had approached us about doing a project there, and you know they were very strategic about the way they put their place together. You know they wanted a pasta place in there. And right at the same time, we were just busting out of the seams at Union. Yeah. Space. I mean, it's such a small... Our kitchen's 300 square feet. Nothing. The whole place place all in is like 1,400 square feet. So we were setting up folding tables in the dining room during the day to make pasta. And it's such an uncontrolled environment. I was just like, I can't do this. Yeah. And, you know, we managed to keep the pasta consistent. But Mm -hmm. um, so I decided to do this pasta bar and then have... A facility which we have a pasta lab where we make all the pasta. There, uh, can you so,
0: please explain the the phrase the pasta, pasta lab? lab.
4: It, yeah. It's it, it's an Italian you know the laboratorio which is the room that they make pasta in. Sure, because it's it's you make it a kind of a sort of controlled environment. Yeah, humidity because all those humidity and temperature affect the pasta. Yeah, so um, we we figured you know we can do the same all-in-one there
0: <laughs> and so how have you like being down at grand central market have you seen just a whole different uh type of customer type of Definitely. recognition because it's just you're so i remember when it opened i was like oh per- this is such a perfect fit mm-hmm. like having a pasta a fresh pasta place yeah at the market
4: you know it, it's cool it's like You, as opposed to a restaurant where, you know, you only expose yourself to the people that come to the restaurant, Mm -hmm. there you're exposing to everybody that walks through Central Market, whether they come to get a coffee. And
0: and you have a good location, because you're, like, right right at the entrance. Like, you walk in, and you're like,
4: oh, there it is. And I have a very shiny space.
0: (laughs) No, and it's great because your spot is a restaurant, but also taps into the market part Mm -hmm. of it as well That some of the restaurants, and that's not on them. Right. But, like, you can definitely go there and be like, I'm going to go get... I'm not, I don't even have to eat shopping, there. Yeah, you know, I'll go shopping cool. there. Like, yeah,
4: come. They'll come to us and get pasta and sauce, and then they'll go to Belcampo and get meat, and they'll go to the cheese place and get cheese. Ooh. It's really cool how it's all kind of turning into that, and, and I've definitely seen a change in the clientele. Yeah. Big time. I mean, you know, and the the markets have do been doing a great job with you know keeping the riffraff out of there and and just keeping it clean. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which the, is which is cool because the culinary riffraff. Well.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so um does that then now they make pasta, does it like now become like sell pasta, sell pickles, so like own food like does it go to like just like the brand level next for the, the food yeah, that you're exactly. making?
4: Exactly. I mean in the in that little market we have a retail space that in there where we sell all the pastas, our sauces, our pickles, we make our own butter, we make ricotta cheese, mozzarella, um, we make we sell like you can get a take-home baked ziti mm. that's not cooked, and you just throw it in the oven. Same thing like a mac and cheese or pan and four meatballs and sauce. Yeah. You know, things like that. And we're trying to really hit that that market, that 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 part of the seg- You know, the market segment.
0: That's awesome. Now, I know at the beginning you said that music's always been a part of your life, and you're in a band, and now you're in a band with another well-known chef, mm-hmm. Duff, uh, called Foie Rock. Yep. Which is, <laughs> as a man who loves puns. I love so much. Um, And what does playing in a band and do that offer? Well, like, what itch does that, or you know, scratch? You know, or scratch it that itch uh, (laughs) that isn't like when you're in in a kitchen.
4: You know, it's it's cool because it's like I I have, you know, you get outside of work and you know you have your personal life and you know spend time with my wife and spend time with my dogs and go out to eat or do this and that, go to movies. But also, you know, being able to have this other creative outlet, which has been a huge part of my life growing up. Um, You know, I've always been envious watching, you know, I miss getting on stage and playing in front of people. And so getting in this band now where I... I'm in a band with the, guy, the guys that are all around, we're all around the same age, and we yeah. all have the, scratched the same itch, basically. Yeah. You know, where, so it's incredible. It's fun. And even if we just rehearse and don't even play out, it's just such a blast. Yeah. It's such a good time. And, you know, you kind of forget about everything else for three hours and, and just, you know, throw down some tunes. And it's, it's so much fun. And, and we're playing, we're just doing a lot of covers because it's fun.
0: That's you know? awesome. Yeah. It's nice to do something that's just fun. Especially when you've done something that is also very successful. It's like, I, yeah. pr- I proved myself here. This one is just, like, for fun. Right. Um, so if people wanted to find out where to eat or how to get any of your products, is there a dedicated website?
4: Yeah, I mean, I have my own website, com. Yeah. And then we have – all of our websites are linked. So sure. we've got Union Pasadena. We've got Need Pasta Bar. Um, and we're actually building another website for our company, because we're we're kind of built this company now around everything, which is yeah. like a management company.
0: That's awesome. Essentially,
4: so we're we're kind of working on that. So,
0: how's your Instagram game? Are you have on the gram.
4: My Instagram game is pretty strong. Yeah, I'm on there every day. Yeah. Well, what's the handle? Uh, Chef B Kalman K A L M A N. Awesome. Man. That's my Twitter and, and Instagram.
0: Awesome. Well, Chef, thank you so much. I I think your dad would feel that you have a very very good plan A B C D and <laughs> and so on. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you for making fresh pasta as well because my wife and I absolutely love it. <laughs> uh, we have a song from another chef who who shreds as well, uh, Mark Vetri here. Oh yeah, another another pasta guy, another great yeah. musician. Uh, here we have him playing live here on Snacky Tune, on Heritage Radio Network.
1: Have you tasted the world's best cheese? Grand Cru Sourchois is the 2016 World Cheese Champion. Our partners at Roth, Wisconsin, make this gorgeous alpine-style cheese in the rolling hills of Green County, Wisconsin. Grand Cru Sourchois is produced by hand in Swiss copper vats and finished by aging on spruce planks. The quality milk and careful craftsmanship bring out the award-winning light floral notes, nutty undertones, a hint of fruitiness, and a mellow finish. Perfect with Riesling and Muscat, Grand Cru surchois is a guaranteed hit for any occasion. Check out their other offerings at RothCheese.com. You'll discover Buttermilk Blue and their newest release, Prairie Sunset, the golden-hued love child of Mimolette and Gouda. You'll also find recipes like the Raclette Reuben and Tomato Tartlets. Everything you need to know about the world's best cheese is at RothCheese.com. We might have mentioned this before, but we are nominated for two Taste Awards.
0: Please go to bit.do backslash stvote to vote for us for Best Radio Show and Best Podcast. We'd really appreciate it. We have CJ Fly live in studio. CJ, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. What's up, bro?
3: Thanks for being here.
0: Uh, You were born to a Jamaican and Barbadian parent. Yes, sir. How did that influence you growing up, and what did you pull from each of their cultures that you can determine?
3: Uh... Well,
0: it basically made me into like this almost,
3: I don't want to call myself superhuman, but like, you know. You, you, you can you, call yourself
0: that. Yeah, yeah,
3: all right, cool. Superhuman, you know. It makes me like, my parents are like two cool West Indian parents, you know. So to take both like uh, both of their like cultures and, and, and their swags to make me is like an
0: amazing thing, you know. I like to look at my parents and pick out their best traits. And when I see, like, it's something poor inside of me, yeah. I was like, well, I'm not like that side <laughs> of that. Yeah. So what are some of the more defining qualities that you took from your mom and from your dad's side that influenced your your work and kind of your drive? Uh, well, growing up, my dad only played reggae.
3: You feel me? Like, people like are shocked to know that I wasn't raised on, like, Wu-Tang and Tribe, you know? I found out about a lot of that stuff from my own. My mom's being from Barbados. She's, like, raised on soca and calypso music. And that was her upbringing. So she like introduced me to that world, too.
0: I don't know if it's that, that surprising. I think a lot of artists, you think because of the music that they make, that's what they grew up listening to. Mm-hmm. But I think that you'll find the ones that truly define themselves and have a certain something special. It's because they're specifically not raised on that music. For sure. And have those outside influences and then find their own thing. But it's always run through the filter of like, I want to go back to what I know from growing up. For sure. I'm basically
3: like, I'm a Brooklynite. So I'm a product of my environment. You know, Brooklyn is like the mega of hip hop. You know, New York is one of the places that people recognize lyricists for. Like, you know, so it's like me being from here and then having the mixture of that is a mixture of those both flavors. You know, people don't even know hip hop was started like from like,
0: I think, in my opinion, Jamaicans, you know, DJ Cool Herc, mm-hmm. a Jamaican guy who came to New York and made his own wave. You know, so who from your dad's side will start there first? Uh, did he really play for you growing up and, and has stuck with you through all the years? Um, one of my favorite artists of all time is Bujabanta.
3: Free him. He's in jail right now. Uh, Barris Hammond. Sizzler, Capleton, like, a lot of the more uh, old-school reggae stuff, not, like, newer stuff. He did play the newer stuff, like Vibes Cartel, Bonte Killer, and all those guys, but, like, that was the main, like, thing, like, right there, like, his generation of reggae, you know? Bob Marley, those things, you know? Mm-hmm. And from your mom's side, who did she listen to? My mom was weird. She, so she listened to her soca and Calypso music, and then she had a mixture of, like, R&B, not rap. So she had, like, uh, some Allison, is it Allison Hines? Allison Hines, like... Rupi and a couple other artists and stuff like that and then my mom would like listen to like Jaheem <laughs> and Jagged Edge and like all of those things mixed with that you know what I'm saying so and did they incur or who got control of the stereo who- well my parents were never together oh, okay so it was two separate oh, okay type of experiences you know a different vibe like even my grandmother's house like her food would be like the whole
0: vegan side of it and
3: my dad's side would be like curry oxtails all that type of stuff you know
0: do you have a preference now, or is there one, do you have one specific, is there like a favorite dish from one side and a favorite dish from another side? Yeah, for sure. Uh, my mom, she loves
3: this dish called cuckoo. It's like cornmeal mixed with like uh, some vegetables and some other things in it. They cook it with like sides, like flying fish. And it's, it's cool. I like that a lot. What's flying fish? A fish that literally flies Oh, of it like, It's
0: not like a clever name. It's literally just no, a flying fish. No, it literally fish. flies. Okay. If you
3: go to Barredo's, you'll see that motherfucker jump out the water, like <laughs> choo, 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 keep jumping, so uh, flying fish is one of my favorites from Barbados. Uh, they have fish cakes too. I have like three favorite Barbados dishes like flying fish, fish cakes, and like maybe the cuckoo, you know? Can you taste the difference because the fish is aerated? <laughs> it's not actually flying, <laughs> flying. Like it just
0: jumps out of the water for a little bit, like on some sandwich. You know but what over its lifetime, it's still out of the water more than most fish.
3: Possibly, yeah.
0: That's why it's a flying fish. Yeah. You know, flop. <laughs> and then from your dad's side, what dishes? Uh I love stew peas, which is oxtail
3: mm-hmm. and uh with red peas in it. I love jerk chicken. Anything jerk I love. I love spicy foods, you know. Um and what else? Aki and saltfish, which is the national dish from Jamaica. And what know? is that? Uh it's basically like this plant. It's like yellow and it has like black seeds in it. That's the Aki. Saltfish is basically codfish. I don't know if you ever had that. Mm-hmm. They basically mix those two together and put like some pepper in it and it becomes this like beige and yellow mixture with peppers and it's just beautiful man it's like art and have they taught you any of the dishes themselves? do you cook uh, a little bit they haven't taught me like the super nice things that I like yet you know because they obviously I think
0: my dad especially he wants to cook for me still like so he doesn't want me to like not need him anymore <laughs> I mean I feel like those dishes uh, especially in national heritage dishes uh, like tortilla from Spain yeah they're so simple mm-hmm. but it takes 200 times for you to go from your first try which is fine yeah to okay, this has all the history, all the nuances, all the... You have to know that at the 33-minute, you got to do this one thing. For sure. I'm, like, I suck cooking rice. Like, yeah. I just bought a rice maker the other day. Okay. So, me making rice is not a successful thing right now, but, like... I feel like maybe with the parents, or my mom um, makes a lot of dishes, but what she makes the best is jam. and it's Jam jam? Jam jam. What? From jam. And it, and it's, it's simple. It's just sugar, lemon, and the fruit itself. So, really it's simple, but... The most easy thing to mess up because it's just so simple. Mm. So it takes, you know, sitting with her all the hours to to cook it, just yeah. to make sure it's like okay. You got to look for this. You got to do this stuff. That's so maybe you can go back to your dad and be like, look, I, I you can still cook for me. It's going to yeah. take a lot of hours between now and then. But for sure, but don't wait till it's too late for me to, to That's learn what the I subtlety. Say,
3: for sure, it's like I definitely want to learn how to cook all of these Jamaican dishes because I plan to move to the West Coast one day. My
0: mm-hmm. dad doesn't live over there. So right. it's like, I need to ha- be able to su- survive somehow. Well, now you just screwed up because you told him, this is, he's your anchor food now. He's <laughs> like, he's like I can't t- you can't move to the West Coast until Fact. I teach you. No,
3: literally. Uh, until I find like actual restaurants I like out there too, you know? Sweet Chick's spot to go out there, so I'll be fine.
0: Yeah. And then from Brooklyn itself, what are the dishes that you had growing up that define your childhood that are not from the parents' side? Uh, jerk chicken patties from Golden Crest, mm.
3: Jerk chicken from like the jerk spot on No and Church Avenue. Uh, Roti. You know by roti? Mm-hmm. Roti. Uh, what else? Uh,
0: <laughs> I don't know, man. And then uh, what's the spice level that you can hit? And what are the spice levels of the different cuisines? Are mom and dad the same, or is it a varying degree? Well, let's just fact check. My mom doesn't cook okay. herself. Mom doesn't cook. Grandma, Grandma my auntie. Oh, your auntie cooks. Yeah. Okay. So, but
3: um, we they have their own like hot sauce, too, which is like some weird yellow hot sauce with, like, peppers in it, Mm -hmm. that's pretty hot, and then there's Jamaican hot sauce, like, Grace's hot sauce, which is pretty hot, but it's, like, more, like, on the acidic side and Mm -hmm. spicy, and then, um, so, I think they both, like, have, like, their own spice levels, but for me, I I can't go to the super painful, like, lip and tongue infuriating pain, uh, spices, you know, so...
0: I think it's mainly like jerk and from there back. You know? Right. So you can still have the spice but also taste the food underneath. Yeah. I've never been able to go to that insane part because then you're just all, you're just eating something covered in. It's too some, much. It's too much.
3: It's too intense. Food shouldn't be intense. It should be like more of a comfortable thing. Yeah. It should
0: be like very happy to eat food. And you can just ease into the spice levels. You get to think of something to work towards. Not just, it's not a game. Yeah, for sure. Can we hear a song? Uh, yeah, I got you. What are you going to play first? Uh,
3: let's do Now You Know, my single that's out right now. Okay, yeah. from from the new record. Yeah, Fly Trap. Okay, great. December 9th. All right, live on Snacky Tunes. Fly. Fly Trap coming soon, December 9th. Hope you had a say, you know. Hope you had a say, you know. Hope you had a sing, you know. Hope you had a sing, you know. Hope you had a and you know. Hope you had a sing, you know. Hope you had a sing, you know. Hope you had a sing you know. Hope you had in, you now you know you fucked up. Cause a nigga looked up. Now you really look dumb, tell me how that shit go, tell me how that shit go Now you know you fucked up, cause a nigga looked up Now you really look dumb, tell me how that shit go, tell me how that shit go Seen too many niggas switch sides. Getting tired of the dick riding you. Lukewarm, I'm John Blaze. My shit's fire. Either in the stool or I'm getting high. I don't make a lot, but I'm getting by. I know I sin, but a nigga try. I could roll this weed in a nigga time. Tell me break it down. Smell it with a pot Only 22, so I'm in my prime. Made it here without committing crowns. Making paper up some different lines. To my life and put it in these rounds Transformation like a megatron. Give my music everything I got. And I don't think that I ever stop. A leader, you don't catch me with a foe. Some people say that I'm a witty foe. Why the hell a nigga quitting for? Gotta get a mansion to put in my foe. I just gotta make a bigger quote I just gotta make a bigger quote Now you know you fucked up <laughs> Cousin a nigga looked up <laughs> Now you really looked dumb Tell me how the shit go Tell me how the shit go Now you know you fucked up <laughs> Cousin a nigga looked up Now you really looked dumb Tell me how the shit go Tell me how the shit go hope you had a sin you know 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 Fluing.
0: you started writing poetry when you were in fourth grade does any of that still carry over uh yeah it does because when i
3: learned to write poetry i was learning to write cursive too and i can remember that exact moment of my dad being like your handwriting is deplorable (laughs) you know so i remember writing rhymes and shit like that and he'll be like yo i can't even read this chicken scratch but in my mind it was always like i can read it you know that's all that mattered to me me being able to read my own words so from there on like i started writing poetry and 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 that developed and turned into rap music. Have you gone back and looked at the early works? I don't even know where it is. I'm sure my dad has, like, so many backpacks in his closet. But, like, we had a flood once, and it messed up, like, a lot of my old school books and mm. stuff. So a lot of my old archive stuff got damaged through, like, damages, like, home I, damage.
0: I mean, it's like going back and reading. And you probably thought it was so great then, and it, it might be pretty painful now to go, <laughs> to go and do it.
3: It's funny, man. I, I, my cousin always says to me, like, yo, you remember your old raps? And I'm like, yeah,
0: but I remember my cousin telling me, like, he didn't get them then, you know, so I'm sure there will be some type of, like, gem within that. Right, you're like, there's one line out of all the notebooks That's that we'll just carry for, like, 20 years. Of course,
3: yeah, because even people come up to me now and say, like, my verse on, like, Hard Knock with Joey is one of it, my best, and that was such a young me that didn't know anything. Mm-hmm. So it's crazy to me that they think, like, the youth, uh,
0: youthful version of me was, like, more, like, you know. Some people f- talk about the creative process as just coming from nowhere. Like You don't have a choice. Exactly. Natural. So, the universe wanted it to happen. So did, did anyone around you, I mean, obviously you grew up in Brooklyn, so you were surrounded by hip-hop, but poetry is a distinct difference between rapping and, and writing lyrics. So mm-hmm. where do you think, or do you have any sense, and you can say just came, where the poetry started from before it evolved into writing lyrics?
3: Uh, I think I've always been very expressive as far as like, writing goes. I'm an only child. So, like, me being an only child influenced me to try to communicate through my music, you know? I didn't really grow up with anybody to communicate with. So my music is the tool I have and use to basically speak to the world, you know? So with that being said, um, yeah, through through me, like, trying to, like, get my message and get my story out there, basically, like, I feel like I, I took poetry and used it as a platform, you know? And, and uh, I think even through the reggae, the reggae, I, I heard the lyrics, and I, I knew that that was poetry in itself, you know, like, Barris Hammond and Buju Banta, and they were, like, poets of their own culture, you know, speaking of their story and, and the story of their country. So I wanted to do the same. And I think it started from that timing, you know, just understanding words
0: from my parents playing it, you know. And how did the evolution in your own mind go from writing poetry to writing lyrics? Or where did you begin to see the shift? This is a poem, but now this is definitely a lyric.
3: I feel like before I was way more like writing poetry. I was writing poetry more on a emotional tip. So putting my emotions into the... The sheet of paper, you know. Now it's more of a. I find like a topic or a target audience I want to tap into, and make a song for that specifically, you know. Then it was just like me writing a poem for myself. And now I'm writing lyrics for the world.
0: And did those po did the poetry and the lyrics get you into the performance arts high school?
3: Uh, nah, actually. Went to school for uh,
0: communica-
3: communication arts. Oh, okay. Yeah, so everybody else was going there for, uh, like, acting and, like, uh, other programs and shit. But I was literally there for, like, communication arts only. And What is communication arts? I couldn't tell you. Just a, a fancy <laughs> name for nothing.
0: Nothing. But like, that's where you met your entire clique.
3: Yeah, basically. We uh, went to high school together, and we were all ciphering in the hallway together and shit. And obviously, like, when, when, like, let's say ten people are rapping, you know the three that are nice. You know what I'm saying? That was our energy. And we always, like, chill with each other, and we had, like, a similar goal to be the best you know like I didn't learn about entendres and stuff like that until I met Steves and all the rest of the homies you know
0: and were you still at a young enough age where you were allowed to be vulnerable and ask questions like yeah. how did the education process happen I mean we're talking about high school so you think 16, is not that old but mm-hmm. still at that age within any situation you want to sometimes act as much but did you have a certain persona in the hallways mm-hmm. and then you'd be like okay what would you mean mm-hmm. behind closed doors or how did the formation take place as far as the crew
3: yeah We were cutting class together. So after the ciphers and all that, we was like, okay, these are the guys, you know? You identify everybody as artists, you know? And then you see who you mesh with perfectly and who meshes with everybody else well, too. Because there were some people that could have been in the crew, but they didn't mesh well with everybody else. They had like personal, whatever problems, you know what I'm saying? So we just clicked instantly. We all used to cut class together and create. We tried to record like in the auditorium. Like we were just doing everything we shouldn't have been doing just to create. And now there's a program at our school for making music which is dope because of us you know and that's dope that we have that program there like because we used to cut class just to do what we had to do so it started through that and then we just started building and years passed and everything just blew off and took up what was the first show together like oh the first show together was crazy i think the homies had another show that i wasn't at and that solidified it and then the next show was like crazy like we went on tour that summer it was insane man like a lot of magic. Like, we just knew it was something special. It wasn't, like, a random feeling, you know?
0: You don't need to give, like, the best story, because you can keep that thing, but what's, like, the second best story from that second tour? Second
3: best story from the tour? Damn. I mean, it was three, like, 17-, 16-, 18-year-old kids just traveling around America, just touring for the first time, seeing people, like, react great to us. So, like, there was so many things. We shroom-tripped on that, on that uh, tour. Like, that was a crazy timing, you know? It, it was dope to see the fans react to us the way they did for our first time, you know? So...
0: And where did you get the name Progressive Era from, or how did that come about? Uh, naming, is, naming is difficult no matter what the artistic endeavor. Sure. So, where did that come through? And does someone lay claim to it, or is it a fuzzy, like, I think I said it, no, I think I said it? Nah, no. Steve
3: definitely came up with it. And then he asked our homie Powers what he thought about it. And then we, Joey and myself, came next after that. And then we solidified it, you know? So, like, it was more of a school thing. Like, we were in, in school learning history. So, like, it was something we learned about within the four years we were there. And it ended up popping out as the perfect name for us, you know?
0: Did you feel that you had veto power by the time I got to you? Like we we want to go with this, we'll ask you, but we're really gonna go with this.
3: I was with it. I, I wasn't like super picky. I was just more. We we all didn't have our our rap names now too. Like everybody changed their rap name a little bit too. Like Steez was J Steez, Joey was J O V. I was like before I met them I was C J Fresh. So like we had to solidify ourselves too. In addition to the group name, so like it was something we built on. Luckily we knew about the the whole time period, so it makes sense for us. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. Uh, School in reason. How did you go from fresh to fly? I mean, fresh is kind of cheesy, you know? <laughs> fly was like a term we were using, like, at the time. And, like, we went, people were saying, like, in, like, junior high school, I remember people being like, yo, you look fresh today. And I got to high school and started switching up my style and people started calling me fly. And I was like, oh, this is
0: perfect. Oh, CJ so the people, Fly. <laughs> the people named it for you.
3: Yeah, I mean, in my high school, I was known as the fly guy. So, like, it made sense and everything connected. I used to have dreams as a kid of me just leaping off my back and starting to fly and soar. And I was like, this is perfect for me, like. Even at my mom's house in bed we had like a, a plumbing problem and the, the, the shower rod came off and a swarm of flies comes out. And like, I felt like Batman, bro. <laughs> Before a swarm of flies comes out, I'm like, oh, man, this is meant to be. So it could have been Roaches. I could have been CJ Roach, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Can
0: we hear another song? Yeah, of course. What are you going to play? Italian Friendship. This is from my first mixtape. Uh, okay, live on Snacky Tunes. Check. Yo,
3: yo, was one of the happiest fellas when I first met Bella we started off as just friends and exchanged love letters became best friends and figured there was no one better I told her we was gonna be homies forever you're not the type that I would often meet more from the magazine, out on the street, feeling like the man when she would walk with me. Her mom is a lawyer, her daddy a cop. Got another chick on the side, but I ain't scared of her pops. She don't talk about her family a lot. When I'm with her, she love to stare at a watch. I connected the dots, third eye squinting, because 'cause I'm trying to see things through. Figured out what we gon' do. Kinda hungry, let's go eat some food. To Little Italy, her family spot. I'm trying to change my diet so I won't be having a lot. And older head said when you go to sit facing the door, so you can gaze at the floor in case of breaking the. We walked in, they sat us down pronto, had a short combo and even I know not to hurt my Italiano. She told me, get her a drink and be ready for this. I said, what? Her dad popped up and started asking for a wedding and said, let me know when I got a reverend friend. either you get her a ring or we get in the ring. Her brother asked me if I wanted a slice. I so told him one would be nice. I sat there hoping he ain't come with his knife. I'm in a love triangle. How did I get into this love triangle? <laughs> love triangles. <laughs> Fuck it, don't give a shit, I'm infamous for having Fly.
0: New record, Fly Trap. Yes, sir. Out December 9th. Yes, sir. It's Congrats. my mom's birthday. Oh, happy birthday, That's mom. That's significance. People don't even know that. Well, now they do. Yeah. <laughs> happy birthday, mom. Congratulations. Appreciate it. What was the process of putting the new record together? Uh, well,
3: I haven't put out music for the last two to three years. So it was a lot of patience, a lot of anxiety uh i put all my life experiences into it uh not every single one but like the ones that mattered for this specific project you know and i think people are gonna like it man like it was not a long process but it it definitely took
0: some thinking you know some people will write 50 100 tracks and then they'll call it down uh some people will just sit down and the record will just come out were you one or the other in the middle
3: uh definitely went through 50 to 100 tracks And then I I refined it down to the specific sound of cohesiveness, you know. So I've definitely made those 50, 100 tracks, and now I have three albums in a stash. Okay. So now I have some work to do. But I definitely made this project like something that was very concentrated. And the clarity is very key, and the message is there, you know.
0: And what would you say the message is from three years ago from your your last record to what you have to say now? like even at the record I just performed
3: uh, that song was more like a storytelling me trying to be on my uh, what's the movie called the Bronx a Bronx tale the mm-hmm. vibe you know mm-hmm. now I'm more like my own life my own movie you know that's what this project is like I feel like the first mixtape I was sitting in a movie theater with a projection coming from my eye basically to say like I'm in a theater and I'm about to watch something or you're about to watch something and now this is one of my first films you know so there's a difference where I was trying to emulate other films
0: and shit like that and now I'm trying to do my own like film direction you know And did you pull from your click to be able to get reference points or to get feedback, or was this just a solo endeavor?
3: It was a solo endeavor, but I
0: definitely
3: played it for them for the last two years. Like, the project really changed uh, quicker than I thought it would. Like, I thought it was done last December, and then I came back to New York. Like, last summer I was in Canada working on it, and then I thought I was done, came back to New York December, I'm like, this is the project. And it wasn't actually done yet. In the last like January to like August, that's when the project really completed, and I recorded so many new records and shit. So it got finished this year, and and, and it's a different vibe from what it was before because I, I I actually got to figure out what I wanted to do and played it for the homies, seen their opinion, changed a few things, but I didn't ask what they thought I should do. I just did it and then said,
0: "This is what it is." You know what I'm saying? And what was it that you thought was done and then it wasn't? Just down to the the bone of it. What do you mean? Well, what was it that you thought it was done last December, and then what did you go and back and change in the, the oh. following eight months? I mean, I, I didn't feel
3: like it was as perfectly cohesive as it is right now. I think right now, like, the clarity is key. You know, you hear every single thing and word that I'm saying and, and know what I'm talking about, and it all ties into each other. Before, it was more like a compilation of songs that I made in the last two years, which was some of my best, or some of my, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm different vibe joints, and now like, I definitely pinpointed what I wanted the whole album to sound like in a whole, and I've captured that, and it's there, Flat Trap.
0: And you have an ode to your grandfather on there. Yes, sir. How did that come about?
3: Uh, well, last summer he passed away, rest in peace, and I was out there uh, for the funeral, and and basically, uh, I stayed with my grandmother for a month, because I just felt like she needed somebody to, you know what I'm saying, lean on, and... Through that process, I finished, like, a lot of songs, like, I made songs for him. Like, I was sitting in the garage, and the song that I made came to me through sitting in the garage, just thinking about him, you know? So everything just came naturally through the life, ex- life experiences, you know? Did she teach you anything about cooking while you were with her? Nah, man. It's kind of, I, I don't know if she's going to hear this, but it made me sad to think that, like, love is actually a factor in cooking. It kind of felt like the food tasted different since he passed away.
0: You, I mean, you hear that all the time. I don't think that's an odd statement. No, I, it's true. I think that it, it, it comes, again, it comes in that subtlety and nuance. And also, when you're cooking for people, especially if you're married for a long time, mm-hmm. you cook a certain way. You mm-hmm. know they like a little bit of this. So exactly. So if they're not there to cook for or to guide the hand exactly. or reach for that spice, exactly. it does change. That and my grandmother is diabetic now. So she's not
3: using as much sugar and salt and all the things she used to use. So it's a little more like... Uh,
0: Cholesterol free, you know what I'm saying. What's gonna be amazing is you're gonna chase those flavors for the rest of your life. I already know, I already know. Well, I want to thank you for coming by the show. I want to make sure we have time for one more track. Where can people get the record? How can people find you? How can people see you live? The record
3: will be on all platforms: iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, uh Title, you name it. It'll be there. Definitely checking out December 9th You might get it like a day early. We we try to figure out everything, you know. Okay. And uh, how can people find you, book you? Uh, you can find me on socials, in the Era, flyestintheera in F-L-Y-E-S-T-I-N-T-H-E-E-E-R-A. I'm sorry it's so long. That was like my high school like mind making that Twitter account. Yeah, and you can't change it. I can, but the guy who has CJ Fly doesn't want to give it up. (laughs) Really? Yeah. I mean, that can be
0: fixed. Yeah, hopefully. We'll figure it out. You just got to get bigger than him and become the authorized person. Of course. I'm going to holla at Twitter. See what they're saying. They can probably help. For sure. Uh, Well, thanks for coming by. Thank Uh, you. Big shout out to Darren as well out on the West Coast. Please make sure to vote for Snacky Tunes for Taste Awards. We would really appreciate it. Bit.do backslash stvote. What are you going to take us out with?
3: Uh, I have this song called Diamonds that... It's like a record for the world. It's not just for the youth and my fans. Like, I feel like your mom might hear it and like it. So definitely play it for her.
0: <laughs> all right, mom, this goes out to you. <laughs> Shout out to all the mamas. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Snacky Tunes.
3: Oh, 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 oh. Oh, 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 No diamonds form from pressure, but don't be so hard on yourself. Uh, uh, uh. No diamonds form from pressure, but don't be so hard on yourself. Don't you worry about a thing, just keep shining Show them how bright you are even if it blinds them If you like to dance depending on the light And some people see you and they get so wicked Made this one for all the miners. In a dark place where you might just find us Made it out and with a few survivors One of their wants and their desires What I learned that made me wiser Cause we've been tough Lose a lot as soon as we can cut You know where we came from, it was rough Hard differentiating what is love Feel no way if someone try to pick you up Brazilian even when they give you funny looks got them by that wrist just like some cubs. Kill for you cause that's the shit that money does And let your dreams get crushed No diamonds form from pressure But don't be so hard on yourself no diamonds fall from pressure, but don't be so hard on yourself. No diamonds fall from pressure, but don't be so hard on yourself. No diamonds fall from pressure, but don't be so hard on yourself. You keep on shining, you keep on shining. You keep on shining cuz you are a diamond. You keep on shining. You keep on shining. You keep on shining cuz you are a diamond. You keep on shining. You keep on shining. You keep on shining cuz you are a diamond. You keep on shining. You keep on shining. You keep on shining cuz you are a diamond. Diamond. Fly Trap out, December 9th. Make sure you go get that. Thank you, Snacky Tunes, for having me. Fly! Forever.
2: We talk about food. We talk about music. With musical dudes. Finger on the pulse. Snacky tunes.